Hello, Internet. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cavern Corner Podcast. We're your geek slash nerd discussion podcast. Where normally we take one topic from TV, movie, video game, book, whatever it is we're talking about that day, and we bat around until we get bored. I'm, as always, your host, Patrick. With me is my co-host, Jared. Say hi, Jared. I was going to call myself a uh, a Kang variant, and then I was like, I don't think I can anymore. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's a Kang variant that looks like a lizard man. Yeah, but he's still Jonathan Majors. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I don't want to whitewash Jonathan Majors uh, into being like fat, dumpy white me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because we we made a joke about it on the last one, but I, like I I couldn't pull the trigger. Sorry. Sad, sad, sadly, we don't. Sadly, uh, our normal intros, I don't normally make a joke as part of mine. Uh, otherwise, I would have introduced myself as just the worst Kang. <laughs> the Kang that the other Kangs don't talk about because they're ashamed. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we saw we saw and lost Quantumania uh, yesterday. Yep. Um, so we're going to talk about it today. This is a spoiler review. Um, this is where we go full ho- whole hog. Put the movie up on blocks, tear it apart, tear it to cinders. Talk about what we like, what we didn't like. Um, if you have not seen the movie yet, don't listen to this one yet. Go and watch the movie, or go watch the previous one in the feed. That was spoiler free, and uh, which means we've already been talking about the movie for like an hour, so we're ready to just jump into it. Yeah. Um. Uh. One thing we'll get into first. Um. Anything uh, you want to talk about for your uh, theater experience goes. We saw it in different theaters. Yeah. Um, uh, you saw it at uh, you, you saw it at, at an AMC. I saw it at the Vestavia Hills AMC, which yeah. is like our dine-in AMC. I saw it at a Regal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so once again, I don't know why movie theaters are not lighting up the, like their showings anymore. Um, because uh, when we went to the theater to go see this movie. Uh, like this is like one of our nicer theaters, like for Alabama especially, where like you actually have. Like, I've never been to the Vestavia one. Oh, it's it's one of the, it's like the chairs are reclining chairs and yeah. uh, and you can. Oh, I, I believe you. I've never yeah. been to it, but um, it's not as good as any like the Texas like uh, Alamo like, Draft Houses and stuff, stuff like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah, but it's still very nice. Um, but with none of the movies being lit up, um, me and Monica went into three wrong theaters before we found our correct one. Because it's also because uh, not only were the like uh, the signs not lit up to tell you what movie was playing and what, um, it's not on the tickets they print out for you either. Oh, it just prints out what seats you have reserved, and uh, so we got a little lost. It wasn't a big deal, but it's definitely like a frustrating thing when you're going in to see a movie. Uh, so that 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 was my little gripe. Um, it's still typically better than like uh, the theater that's most close to my house, which is like the what we call the Summit, um, which, which, as time goes on, it, uh, as we get further and further post COVID, it it still feels like it's like half alive, or it's being slowly haunted by ghosts. Yeah. Like it does just enough business to stay afloat, but also. If you told me that there was a phantom of the multiplex, I'd believe you. Um, yeah, uh, my theater experience, I went to uh, the Re- uh, Regal, 
which is in uh area called Trussville. It's like 20 minutes from my house. Yeah. Um, I for I keep forgetting that the Regal uh, apparently they they they're no longer attached to Coke now they're Pepsi. Um, <laughs> and uh, I never thought I'd be that guy, but um, I don't want to drink a Pepsi for a movie. It tastes weird. Also, it doesn't help that like apparently they're on some weird ice mandate. There were four fucking cubes in a large uh, theater drink. This is a, this is an aside. I actually only recently found out that's an American thing, putting ice in drinks. Yeah, yeah. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, when I went to uh, when I went to Australia, they, they'd be like they they serve it to us by the pitcher, but normally like the pitchers would come from like a refrigerator or a yeah. cooler. So the drink is cold, um, but typically in America we have we do fountains and the fountains don't cool the drink. Not to like the proper like um, serving temperature. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like a lot of like I've seen a lot of people who like um, who visit America and see like how we do it. Like I've heard a lot of people be like, "Oh, that change that does change my opinion about drinking." Like, a lot of people uh, who come here from other countries are like, "Oh, wow, no, like the ice is appropriate." But like when we just go over there and request ice, they think we're fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, which to be fair, I I don't like ice in my drinks. I would actually would drink it at a warmer temperature. Yeah, but uh, I not I, have ice in my drinks. I can, I can, I'm neither here nor there. I prefer my drink cold. Yes. Um, especially for like, you know, sodas like Pepsi or Coke. Uh, they did not give me nearly enough ice <laughs> to, to, to have the Coke to be at an acceptable temperature. Now, your Pepsi now, to be at an acceptable yeah, temperature. Yeah, for the Pepsi to be at an acceptable temperature. I, I fucked up and called it Coke at the register too. <laughs> uh, well, once again, we are in the deep south, um, which means. That uh, the preferred nomenclature down here for all soft drinks are cokes. Yeah, this is a place where you can say, uh, "Hey, I want a coke," and then somebody will will likely respond, "What kind of coke do you want?" Yeah, that that is how it works down here. And I know that sounds crazy, to everybody else, but I mean, you guys have pops and sodas and everything else. Yeah, but we live down here where you know God pays attention, and we have cokes. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you ask for a coke, and then like because um, it. It's very funny because, like, uh, if you ask for a Coke and, and you just say, like, and they, and they ask what kind, um, if, like, if they don't tell, because a lot of public places won't tell you that they are Coke or Pepsi. Mm-hmm. And so you'll just say what the Coke brand is and they'll bring you, like, and they'll just bring you the Pepsi brand of it. Yeah. Um, which like is. If you, like, you, like, you say, oh, I want Sprite, they'll just bring you a, a Sierra Mist. Yeah. Or uh, I want a Dr. Pepper, they'll bring you a Mr. Pibb. Yeah. Like that shit fucks you up. <laughs> or they'll say, or or you'll say, I have a Coke. We only have Pepsi products, and then you show them that you know you that you carry a noose on you at all times. <laughs> that didn't, I didn't say that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I I was not involved in that joke. <laughs> the black the black guy made the joke. So don't don't cancel Jerry. <laughs> uh, 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 oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, uh, but anyway, so. You know, Pepsi Pepsi aside, um, they they do actually have everything lit up in the theater. You son of a bitch! Um, you know the the now that keep in mind, I was I was there at like a uh, at the ten o'clock showing, ten, 10 a.m. Yeah, same here. Um, so like they they definitely weren't rushed. Um, also, my theater like there it was not full. Oh, mine was. Oh yeah, my 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 theater was not full at all. There was it was it wasn't empty, but there was it was like. About three lane, three 
rows worth of people spread across the theater? Me and Monica had to uh, pick the very, very, very first row um, because there were no uh, other areas where there were um, two spaces sitting next to each other. Mm. So uh, our, our theater was full, which was which made me, made me kind of glad. Now, the, also, I, I came early. I was about, it started at, at 10. I, I got there at about 9.30. Um, so I just so I'd have plenty of time to get my seat and whatnot. Um, and they had the I forget what they call it. It's not called the twenty anymore. Oh um, yeah, yeah. But it's like the the sequence of shitty entertainment to prelude your uh, your your thirty minutes of trailer before the movie starts. Right. Um, but within it, there was a uh, there were several sequences that you know. For one, I, I was into because it had a lot of people I recognized from TikTok. I had uh, 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 Nikki Marina and uh, Straw Hat Goofy on several segments. Oh, did it? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, That's weird because, like, uh, Straw Hat is definitely an AMC guy. Yeah, but he was in the Regal se- segments. Weird. It was, like, him and uh, Maria Menounos. Because he has a deal with AMC. Like, he, he does private showings for AMC. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I was at a Straw Hat Goofy premiere. Yeah, true, but I was just, just saying. Yeah. Um, now, if he ever wants to extend an invitation, we will go. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, and we we are willing to travel, uh, but uh, within the segment, like one of the segment, Raymond, I was like, oh, one of the big struggle, one of the big struggles of uh of watching a movie in theaters is making sure your candy lasts through last up until the up until the movie starts turns to the screen. I see you. She says this as the last of the bunch of crunch is <laughs> entering into my mouth, and I felt very called out, and I didn't need that. <laughs> Thank God you didn't go to that movie like like and drop an edible first. <laughs> <laughs> that would fuck me up. <laughs> just in the theater. Ah! Spider Man went screaming out of the goddamn regal. <laughs> sir, sir, what's the matter? She sees me. She sees me. <laughs> the giant Marina Menudo sees me. Oh, but uh, but yeah. So so that was that was my theater experience. Uh, you know, no, no, no chatty kids, no screaming. You know, old people. Oh, my theater was super chill. Like yeah, like um, it was actually a pretty quiet experience on the whole. Like I didn't really get anybody like loudly saying anything. Like like uh, like I didn't notice people like. Like laughing at a part that like they just thought fun- was funny or something like that like mm-hmm. n- nothing. It was actually I didn't even think about the fact that like because typically I'll laugh at a moment that like I just find funny and be the only person laughing at the thing. Uh, no, none of that. Yeah. Uh, everyone was very just quiet and there to watch this movie. I I don't remember if I laughed or not. Uh, oh, I I like I said I gut laughed at at uh, at Kang's. Oh shit! Yeah. Um. That got me. That got me good. But yeah, like my my theory was pretty quiet except for like, you know, one old guy who like coughed a couple times. Ah nah, I didn't have anything like that, so Um But yeah, so now so so that being said, now we'll get into the movie itself. Yes. Um Uh oh, also uh for the movie, um this is my first time seeing the Fast Ten trailer. <laughs> Yeah, I hadn't seen it yet either. I, I knew that like it premiered Jason Momoa. Yeah, and I'll go. T- I don't care about Jason Momoa in this movie. 
holy crap. Like the, one, how do you top space? And two, when are we just going to quantify the, the, the car superpowers? Oh, yeah. Uh, Dom, Dom throwing his Dodge Charger onto the ground uh, in defiance of two helicopters. To the point where he smashes the two helicopters into each other. Like, I don't know if he, if he kicked it into heavy gear, um, which just made his car way more or some shit. Uh, but that shit was goddamn ridiculous. Yeah. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if the cast of, uh, of Spy Racers showed up. I mean, all right, would you not be surprised or is it all you want in this world? I mean, considering I haven't watched Spy Racers, uh, uh, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say I just wouldn't be surprised. Okay. For all enough. I know, I could watch it and fall in love with uh, you know Dom's little cousin. I mean, we'll probably see it and review it. We've we've, we've done a fucking history of of the fa- uh, of, of the, the fast franchise. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm de- We'll definitely review it on this podcast. But yeah. it is it is zany and nuts. And they're talking about, oh, well, somebody might die this time. Unless y'all are gonna kill off Brian, I don't, I don't see any of any of you dying. <laughs> the balls, the balls it would take. Yeah, like like a missile just comes and hits his house. Is is it is either gonna be is either gonna be a uh, Brian or Hobbs? Uh, Hobbs could die for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so getting into the actual movie because I can't think of any other trailers that I saw. Uh, this is my first time seeing the alternate, uh, the second uh, Dungeons and Dragons trailer, um, and I'm actually pretty hyped for it. Um, uh, I didn't see a, I didn't see another trailer. I did see a like small clip from it, which is like, which is uh, them you know using the uh, speak with dead spell. Yeah, and fucking up the interrogation. <laughs> yeah. That's some shit I would pull on players. Oh, that's some stuff. That stuff I have pulled on players. Yes, I got that. That was that was the, if more of the movie is like that, I'm definitely in. Uh, yeah, like um, yeah, the the trailer like being like so solid in Forgotten Realms, which is something that I run a campaign in like every week. Like I'm I'm getting very excited for the D and D movie. Um, I'm I'm kind of hoping I can grab as big a group of people as possible. And I should probably start, like, soon at making plans to go see it with, like, uh, the people I play D&D with. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, one other, for a movie that I'm probably going to want to watch to enjoy it, but it's not really in the uh, superhero big action movie genre, but uh, Operation Fortune. Um, I saw a trailer for that. Uh, I didn't see a trailer for that. Upcoming uh, Guy Ritchie movie. No, I, I didn't see that trailer. Um, we saw like 65, uh, 65, uh, which my wife was very, very into the one with Adam driver, um, be, like landing on earth, uh, during the dinosaur times. I was, I was with that movie up until dinosaurs showed up when I thought it was like, okay, it's like, you know, survival on weird alien planet, you know, with all the people scattered everywhere. I was like, all right, I'm in. Oh, but it also shot us back in time on Earth. I was like, ah, fuck. See, I don't think it, it shot it shot him back in time. I think it's like he's from like a precursor uh, alien society that's just humans. Um, 
and he landed here and fucking built the pyramids, I guess. Um, Maybe. Uh, but I, I was out at Dinosaurs. I was actually, actually, I wasn't even really at Dinosaurs. I was out at, um, it has two human characters from what I can tell. One of them's a little girl who doesn't speak English. Mm-hmm. Um, and not everything can be Logan. Um, well, it's, just, it's becoming an overplayed trope now. Uh, you got Lo- Logan, Mandalorian, Last of Us. Uh, there, 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 there's a lot of movies coming out now that are trying to crib the, you know, little little kid and uh, grizzled veteran man. Yeah, but this one like particularly because like whenever like because uh, the the thing about those other, those other things have is while they 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 crib that western feel and stuff like that. Um, this movie's going for an isolationist feel, and it's like, well, the reason that you have a secondary main character is someone to talk to. It's why Batman needs a Robin. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if that that movie could hold my attention the entire time if uh, all if if it's all just like him narrating to a thing, um, because there's a difference between a character narrating and a character having engaging in dialogue. Because narration is just you being force-fed um, the character's actual thoughts, unless the character's just an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Um, um, versus, like, if they're talking to somebody, then you have, like, you actually get, like, character interaction and character information from them, because then they're having to play into the social contract of whatever they're saying, and that changes, like, how a character is going to talk. And I, I just personally was like... Um, just seeing dinosaurs being shot at with guns isn't enough for me. Like, it wasn't like his guns were, like, super cool sci-fi guns. I mean, it was a sci-fi gun, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, a fucking phaser. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't like a super cool sci-fi gun. It was just a sci-fi gun. Because also, it didn't seem to do anything to dinosaurs that bullets wouldn't do. Yeah. So, uh, well, that was like, if the motherfucker had a bolter, I'd be more impressed. Hell Yeah. Uh, but that was about it for trailers for me. All right. Um, so yeah, getting into the movie proper, um, we start up in the past. Um, so I wouldn't call it a flashback scene. Just we're starting back. We're 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 doing the linear progression of time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it picks up where Janet is in the quantum realm. Um, staying in her hut, and uh, then she. Uh, Senses something. She, she yeah she, she like uh, she has like some alarm set up for like uh, creatures coming. Yeah. Uh, so she goes out into the into the waste and shoots a couple weird animals, and then a weird animal's about to jump on her, and then uh, prone Jonathan Majors takes it out and asks where we are. Yeah. Um. You know. So, so it turns out where we are is Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yep. Uh, we then uh, cut to Scott in the now. Feeling the fuck out of himself. Yep. He, uh, strutting, strutting, you know, narrating in his head about how great his life is. Taking selfies with dogs. Doing uh, live readings with his uh, for his book because well, he got a book deal. Well, it turns out he's not narrating in his head. He's actually just reading from his book the entire time. Yeah. Um, which is very cute. Like, that, that whole sequence is very cute, very fun. Yeah. Um... Uh, I but, wish that uh, we hadn't heard so much of it already in the trailer. Yeah, uh, you learn you learn a bit of like what he's been up to, which you know, writing a book, 
uh, having his name cleared after saving the world. Um, him and uh, Hope took her uh, parents' company back and is working on... Um, everything? Everything, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I guess when you, cause when you make something really small and then you grow it really big, you can feed a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and, you know, once again, you know, just pen particles just don't make any fucking sense. They don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and then I think it ends with, uh, while he's, uh, like, finishing up reading, uh, reading his book, he gets a, a phone call. From jail. From jail. That he has jail's contact number saved as jail on his phone. Which is like... Why that jail? Yeah. Is that was that the one that's closest to your house? I mean, that's, that's where he lives. What? He lives in San Francisco. Yes, there there's lots of jails. It just says San Francisco jail. <laughs> that's so, true, but there would be lots of. As far as I know, the MCU has one jail in San, in Francisco. San Francisco. We have more jails than that. Oh, although I don't really want to talk about. Alabama I was like, you want you want to get into the privatized no. prison system? I don't, especially not in Alabama, not especially not after that news came out like the other day about the guy they froze to death. Oh, shit. I didn't know about that. I just knew about the one where, you know, we're, we're starving people. Uh, nope. Uh, they had a, a special needs uh, prisoner uh, who was uh, acting up, so they threw him in a freezer to as a punishment uh, at the jail, like the cops did it. Uh, and then they pulled him out of the freezer after not checking on him for uh, a very long time, and they just kind of pulled out a frozen corpse, took it to the hospital, but he was already dead. Yeah. And uh, the state is now being sued over over it, uh, even though the whole thing is on, like, uh, like they're caught in 4K, putting him in there, pulling the body out, dragging the body to, uh, to a car to be, like, taken to the hospital. Um, and the only person who was punished was the woman who leaked the footage, um, so that we could see what had happened, uh, and no one else. Uh, and obviously Alabama taxpayers are not going to have to foot the bill for the trial and whatever they pay out to this, uh, the, the guy's mother, uh, who obviously, you know, has undergone something that's incredibly, incredibly awful at the hands of the state. But yeah, that's Alabama. Yep. Um, sorry about that, everybody. Uh, San Francisco, at least in the MCU, isn't that bad. Yeah, apparently not. Uh, uh, Scott's Scott's got lots of friends there, and Cassie seems to be making uh, friends too. Uh, no, not that last part. <laughs> um, he goes there to, to to get Cassie out. Um, she was uh, apparently at a protest where they were displacing homeless people who were homeless after the blip. They were protesting uh, the police, uh, police's brutality against the people who were homeless and being displaced at the blip. Uh, the, those are all the words I said. You, the implication of the way that you had, you had worded it was that she was there to make sure that the homeless <laughs> were mistreated. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, you say it the way it makes sense to you. I'll say it the way it makes sense to me. <laughs> uh, but uh, she shrunk a cop car. Yes. Um. Like, uh, using PIM technology that they never show her with. I'm assuming she threw one of his little shrink discs, but it's just they never show her with them. Uh, they do. 
Very sparingly. Uh, I didn't remember it in that scene. Not in that scene, no. Yeah. But to be fair, she's also hiding all the shit on her all the time. Yeah. Like, you never see her with the suit until she's just in the suit. Yeah. Well, apparently, well, they got the suits now that just, like, you know, form out of their clothing. Yeah. Symbionts. Basically. Um, like, the, the suit... Apparently that after after Iron Man had his had his nano machine suit, we, we're done trying to make clothes, trying to make suits make sense. They basically morph in the in the movies now. I mean, they were like, uh, it's bugging time, ants, wasp, stature. <laughs> yeah, that was a reach. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I just wanted to say it's bugging time. Uh, Scott tries to be some form of authoritarian over uh, Cassie. Uh, Cassie is completely nonplussed and unapologetic about anything that she's done. Yes. Um, and plans to do more. Yeah. Because uh, as far as she's concerned, she is she is fighting the fights that actually matter, not resting on her laurels. Which, I will go ahead and say this. I understand to a degree where some, where Cassie could be coming from, but also... Scott uh, has spent the entire time that we've known him, like either in jail or doing super heroics. Sometimes both at the same time. Uh, like, because uh, he did and didn't get blipped. Yeah. Like, he still lost the five years. He was five years in the quantum realm. Well, five hours had passed for him. Yeah. Um, because time works however it needs to work for however it needs to work in these situations. And, uh, and so, like, and then he was a key proponent in helping take down Thanos. Like, like, for the guy who spent, like, so much of his adult life in prison and probably of, like, most of the Avengers having, like, the most, like, relatable real-world stresses that don't come from just, you think you know best. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, Tony had it hard, too, but Tony Tony also was his own worst villain. Like, bad shit just happened to Scott all the time. And, uh, so, like, taking... How, we don't even know how long he took off from Endgame, but taking a couple of years off to, like, hey, get a little celebrity going, and also considering, like, what he does was never going out and doing what Spider-Man does, something we discussed uh, on the last, uh, on the spoiler-free review. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not what Scott does. Scott does look after the little guys in his ways. Um, but he also prioritizes the people in his life. Yes. Um, like, even when he had opportunities to do, uh, like, work like that in the first uh, Ant-Man movie, he still was like, I can't be caught doing things like that again because of the people in my life. Yeah. So, I don't know. I was like, you know what? Maybe he bought himself a couple of years where he can fucking wrestle on his laurels a little bit. I, 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 I personally wasn't offended by that. Um, well, like, also, it's like... Yeah, when he, 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 tri- when he tries to bring it. When he tries to bring that up, literally everyone just takes the piss out of him. Yeah. Well, he's just like, hey, I fought Thanos. And they're like, oh, have you fought Thanos? Oh, he didn't hear about it. Um, I didn't, he, says he, he says he saved the world. He didn't say he fought Thanos. They all fought Thanos. Yeah. Uh, the only, only people in that room that hadn't fought Thanos were Cassie, Hank, and Janet. Um, but yeah, so after that, they go back home. Um, uh, 
Well, they go back to the Pym home. I don't know whose house they were at. They, they were at Hank's house. Yeah. Um, where uh, he learns that Cassie's been giving, uh, been given Pym technology from uh, Grandpa Hank. And everyone knew about it except him. Yep. And that she'd also been in jail once before. Yeah. And everybody knew about it except him. Um, and also they've been working on quantum stuff. Which everybody knew about except him. Yeah. And Janet. <laughs> yeah. So they go to the Hank to the to the Pym shed. Um where they learn they discover this uh they call it a quantum tunneler or something like that. Basically, sends signals from the quantum realm and then gets signals back. Yes. Uh, which, the second Janet, uh, Janet hears that, she's like, we shouldn't do that, turn it off! And the second that they, uh, now that they're all together... Uh, now well, the quantum tunneler heard them. Yeah, I didn't appreciate that shit at all. Um, oh, also, uh, we see uh, Hank's ant farm, where he mentions that the ants have been building their own technology. And they're smart ants. Yeah. Um, they even have, like, cool little tech helmets. Uh, those are used to control humans. Probably. <laughs> they, they, they were designed like, to counter they, Hank. We, talk, we talked about arcs. The ants have an arc. You, the, the ants do have an arc. Yeah, uh, the ants have an arc that should terrify us. Uh, <laughs> um, they do not control humans, by the way. That was a joke. I realize that we're, we're, we're talking about the, the movie. We, we needed to clarify, like, when we're just taking the piss. Um, uh, but, you know, because Hank has the technology to control ants, I just thought it'd be funny to say that, you know. Anywoo. Yeah. Uh, so the quantum tunneler uh, explodes Tunnels. in, like, a, a <laughs> black hole gate uh, that sucks them all in and the ants. It busts the ants, the ants uh, ant farm. The ants are dispersed throughout the quantum realm. Where they will never be seen again. Wink. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, everybody goes hurtling through, um, and uh, we get basically divided up into two camps. There's Scott and Cassie, and then the Pims. The Pym family. Yeah. And uh, so the Pym family... Uh, start making their way through, trying to ask Janet all sorts of questions. And Janet don't want to talk about anything. No. Uh, we'd actually seen earlier in the movie um, Hope trying to ask Janet questions and Janet not wanting to answer anything. Um, and uh, and Scott and Cassie get uh, pretty quickly caught and taken to this like group of rebels. Yeah. Um, to one... Gain the ability to talk to the people in the quantum realm. Yes, um, by drinking the goo. Yeah, by drinking drinking the red goo. Um, after that, they get to know them a little bit more until somebody says the name Janet. Yes. Um, Upon and, which it is go time. Yeah, uh, and, then, and and which sparks everyone into motion. Um, we'll touch upon that in a second because we need to wrap back around to uh, the uh, Pims. Who? This is gonna be one of those reviews where it's a little bit tricky to keep track of which one happened first, because like it just it cuts back between these two two groups a lot. Yeah. Um. Uh. Which is one of the things that made like both storylines kind of. The, uh, the 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 time the time between when we 
go to the quantum realm and when you f- first see Kang is probably the longest stretch of slog in the movie. Yes, and it didn't need to be. Uh, we could have been exploring the con- the quantum realm and like getting some fun bits of information about it, um, and we just don't. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so they so they the Pims hike from uh, weird forest to weird desert where they meet weird desert people. Um, Janet stabs a guy and he gives and her, cuts off his arm and cuts cuts off his arm. Um, this is the the one of the first Lando scenes. Um, See our spoiler free review. Yeah, uh, the 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 he find that he found that endlessly amusing. Um, so he gives them a big uh, flying mantis creature, um, not like Guardians mantis, like an actual mantis um, that flies them to the capital, uh, or or some city. Yeah. Um, where they go to a cantina and get their own shots of goo that will allow them to uh, to, to uh, talk to people. Um, uh, Hank, uh, you know, jiggles the uh, the che- Chekhov's earpiece. Which he'd done a couple of times already, but like this is the first time we hear the feedback for it. Yeah. Uh, and they meet uh, Janet's contact within the quantum realm. Uh, also known as Bill Murray. Yeah. Uh, who fucking cares what his name, what his character's name was? Yeah. Uh, he might as well have been named like Bill Lando. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is the second uh, Lando scene in the movie. Where yeah. we learned, apparently there's, there's a regular guy in the quantum realm and also uh, he, him and Janet totally banged. Uh, yeah. Uh, she had needs. Yeah. Um, um, you know, she was in there for 30 years. Um... Let's see. Uh, this bring, this gets this gets brought up, brought up much to Hope's horror. Um, but the uh, the Pims were actually pretty cool about it. Yeah. Um, like, while the while they're while they're talking, um, uh, Mur- Bill Murray brings up that uh, uh, the, there's a problem. I can't really accommodate you because when you fled uh, the rebellion, because also Janet uh, seemingly founded the rebellion against Kang. Yes. Um, um, so there's there is a lot in this movie that uh, I will say feels a little Rick and Morty. Yeah, slash Star Wars. Slash Star Wars, but a lot of Rick and Morty too. Um, uh, Fleb is a guy is the guy who they get uh, who Scott and Cassie get their, their goo from. Like that could just be a Rick and Morty character. Yeah. Um, uh, this whole sequence of like because Janet is basically Rick in this movie. Um, in more ways than one, as as we'll discuss in just a minute. Uh, particularly how depending on how well you know Rick's backstory in Rick and Morty. Oh, I I don't know it at all. Uh, he was an intergalactic rebel, uh, and he created multidimensional um travel. Okay. Yeah. I thought that was just a generic Rick thing. No, no, that's part of his like actual backstory. Technically, all Ricks do it, but yeah. Um. All right. So the so, but anyway, she he Bill Murray mentions that they they she abandoned them with him, um, and now he wants to see you. Um, cue the entrance of Kang's guards, the easiest to overcome guards in all of MCU. Yes. <laughs> there are about five sequences in this movie where they escape and overcome guards. 
that have them like one on on either arm by just wrenching your arm away and going for their gun. Yeah. Um. So uh, they get out of there. They steal a ship. They they still they still Murray, Murray ship. ship. Yeah. Um. And uh, and thus and thus uh, we cut to Scott and uh, oh and and, uh, and uh, Bill Murray mentions that Kang has sent a hunter after the others. Um, I just I wanted to bring up the hunter bit before we go back to Scott yeah. and Cassie because um, uh, they're being attacked uh, by Kang's men. Yeah. Um, and that's when we see that they're uh, the true threat against them is Modok. The uh, mechanical organism designed only, only for, for killing. killing. Yep. They say it several times. Bill Murray's the first to say it. Yeah, he's like, he's not a machine, but he's not a, a, a human either. He's a mechanized organi- uh, organism designed only for killing. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that natural thing that people say. Yes. Uh, but, you know, Modoc shows up, which is something I never thought I'd get to see in the MCU. And uh, sadly, he doesn't sound like Patton Oswalt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but to be fair, if, if he was one of the uh, caning agents, I'd been very confused. What? Uh, the canings? That was what uh, Patton Oswalt played in um, Agent Shield. Oh well, if he had, if he had been Modok, this would have been like his third MCU role because he he plays uh, Pip the Troll in uh, Eternals. True, but that was a voice only credit. Yeah, but con- and they also disguise his voice. But conceivably, if he shows up later, it's still going to be Patton Oswalt, probably. Yeah, um, but uh, but yeah. So um, we very quickly find out the truth of Modok. Yeah, that he's uh, he's uh, da- Daryl from uh, Darren Cross. Darren was it he's Darren? Dar- or Darryl? He's, he's Darren Cross. Yeah. Um, which I was actually totally okay with. Yeah, I thought that was neat. Yeah, I thought that made a lot of sense for what had happened to him. It also explained why the hell Kang seemed to know so much about them. Yes. Um, like, I don't like to me that that was not a plot hole. That made a lot of sense, and I was actually happy. And I, for that to be a way, especially with the way that you see um, Darren, you know, quote, finger quotes die um, in the uh, in Ant Man one. Like you know, that definitely was like I was like I I track I track uh, how he became Modok. Yeah, I mean I know that was something I never really never really had uh, too many questions about. Um, but uh, they get captured um, and taken to Kang Jail. And also, like, um, sorry, this is still just hanging up on the Modok thing, but like um, Modok being the like. Like, cause like obviously there's there's a little bit of an MCUification of the character. Like he's a little bit goofier than Modok is, but Modok can be pretty goofy. Yeah, um, he's, a, he's a floating head with baby legs and baby arms. Yeah, um, who is all about his ego and all of that other stuff. A lot of that still carried over from how Darren Cross was. Yeah. So like, sure, like uh, is any of the Modoks Darren Cross? No, um, but. Was I still be able to be like, no, this actually contains all of the essence of most Modocs. Yeah. Um, not all Modocs are even crazy evil. Yeah. Um, uh, like, uh, if you ever read the like uh, the original Gwenpool comics, um, Modoc is her boss in those. <laughs> it made it like, you know, Modoc is normally, uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't really like playing second fiddle to other people. No. Because he's he's all about that ego. Yeah. 
But he will work with people that are just like more powerful than he is. Yeah. Yeah, especially if they scare him, which Kang does. Yes. Um, but yeah, so they get captured and while they are captured uh and the Pims are on their way to rescue them, we get some uh more filled in backstory with about Janet and uh Kang's history. Yes. Uh where uh we learned that this Kang was exiled. Um they're careful of not saying who exiled him. Yes. Um, or like it, the question gets asked, but I don't think Janet even knew. Um, and was sent there in his uh, throne slash ship. And while they were working on it, because they figured that the ship could get them out and take them anywhere they wanted to be, this would have been it. Would have gotten Janet out of the quantum realm. Yeah. Uh, while she was working on it the technology in the ship linked her mind to Kang's and she saw all of the horrible stuff Kang had done. Um, you know, killing crowds of people, blowing up planets. Blowing up multiverse, uh, universes. Yeah. Um, and she was like, oh no, um, I can't let this guy get out. So she uh, smashes a bunch of uh, PIM discs that she shouldn't have had. Uh, she would have had him. Uh, she would have had him um, as part of like the remains of her suit. Uh, well, I thought had... Hank had just invented those in uh, in in Ant Man One. To be fair, it might have been less that he invented. Uh, he had just invented them. He might have just like had made them as they were, as we see them in Ant Man One. Okay. Um. And that she, in her spare time, could have like also been working on that exact same technology as a way to re-embiggen herself to get out of the quantum realm. Fair enough. Yeah, but uh, she but she used all of her all of her remaining PIM particles on the on the thing, blew it up so he couldn't use it. Yeah. Um. So, um, this is where my theorizing slash plot holding like started. Uh, in earnest. Um, because throughout this point in the movie, we've seen characters who are ostensibly human and characters that are very much not. And and we, so, and we, and we know that the quantum realm is stated to be outside of time and space. Yes. and um, But Kang specifically mentions uh, that he created his army. Uh, because when he, uh, when he gets... When, they, when she powers up the, uh, the stuff... That's when he makes his suit. Like that's when he gets like he gets his suit back, which gives him so much of his power. Yeah. Um, my actual thought that is never confirmed in this movie. But this is me. This is me theorizing. Um, but based off of the societies and universes and all of that that Kang has seen, I actually think that all life that we see in the quantum realm was created by Kang. Because Janet mentions she had existed ostensibly alone, and uh, for for ten twenty years, however however long it was until Kang had shown up, she mentioned that she had been alone during that time. She specifically says she was alone. Yeah. But if the entire world had been filled out with all these other people, she would not have been. There was no reason that she would have been, especially because like one of the reasons that, that appeals to her to help, to talk to and help Kang is the fact that he's the first person that she's seen in so long. That's why she sleeps with Bill Murray. Is like um, He is somewhat compatible 
Um, and she had, and she, in her own words, had needs. So, um, I mean, yeah, she wasn't going to do it with, with, with Kang. She remember she went back into the, she went in the quantum realm in the forties. <laughs> oh God damn it. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you never know. He might've Clarence Thomaster. You keep using that as a verb and I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Uh, just an, an old black guy that got like uh, interracially married like, oh, okay. uh, at a time before like most most interracial marriages were even legal. Yeah, but I don't think they did it on a deserted island where it's just me and nothing, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's me and the coconuts. So, um, so anyway, like because it seems like after that point, and so by that logic, Kang creating an army that uh, is able to take on the level of ability that of the people that he's created to subjugate, especially because we can't, they, they do call him Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. And that like his design is to conquer and that his love is in conquering. The idea that with his suit and his technology, like to the degree that he was able to have it, he had basically sparked life in the quantum realm that mimicked life that he knew um, that could work, that like his little like mook army are so kind of pathetic and weak because he created them to be just strong enough um, and just numerically powerful enough uh, that they could take on all who oppose them. Because all of that technology was clearly Kang's technology. Like it looks like stuff from like from like the little bits that we see of Kang technology, of like his future tech. Yeah. Like it's all designed to look like that. So it looks like in that time period, all like he had created all of these buildings and all of this this world here. And so he was probably sparking that life. That is my personal theory for like why we have the humans and the aliens, stuff like that is like, um, because, uh, if you conquer somebody and nobody's fighting against it or rebelling, they're not quite conquered yet. Um, and because he needed kind of a, as a distraction while he was waiting for, uh, his machinations to come in full because time doesn't matter to him. Yeah. So, uh, if time doesn't matter and he can do this forever, uh, he'd probably want to do it in a way where the, the struggle can continue because his mooks are just shitty enough to have, like, uh, enough people who are just rebellious enough to constantly keep fighting back, uh, against him. Nothing, nothing confirms this theory for me except for the fact that Janet makes it very clear she was alone until Kang had gotten his suit back. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the case, but I can definitely see how you built your theory. Um, I mean, there's just nothing else makes make sense of like why humans suddenly appear and stuff like that. Yeah, I, for me, is I think it's just because they didn't really apply logic to designing the quantum realm. <laughs> they just, they just made shit weird for the sake of being weird. Like at one point, that like after they land there, they have to like flee a giant fucking amoeba. One of them's a big broccoli. Yeah, stuff is weird for the sake of being weird. I don't know where Broccoli Man came from. I don't know if he's like a broccoli particle that you know somehow shrank down. Um, but but yeah, so. But that, we, that, we that, get we get the backstory of of uh, of, of Kang, uh, of this Kang, um, and Kang himself meets up with Scott, 
uh, where we learn that uh, he's, oh, you're an Avenger. That's neat. I've killed many Avengers. Yeah. Are you the one with the hammer? <laughs> Uh, and he also tells them that um, something worse than him is coming. Well, yeah, worse than him meaning him. Yes. Because Cassie does ask, what's coming? Me. A lot of me. Yeah. Um, and uh, and if he's not there uh, to stop it, like it's going to be worse than it would be. Um, and Which that... Com- is- no reason to believe that at all. There's not, uh, which is why he has to commit a little bit of light torture uh, to get Scott to help him. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was, he was, all he did was squeeze him a little bit. As I said, light torture. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't break any bones. Um, he did, he does tell Scott if he doesn't do what he says, he will kill Cassie in front of him over and over and over again because I can keep rewinding time. Yes. Um, so which we don't see him use that power in the movie. Yeah, yeah. We never we never see him do anything with time. Yeah, like like I said, there was a lot of stuff that like it, it's implied he could have. One, these are also building blocks for making me think that like, um, um, he was able to do a lot of things that like I'm just speculating he could do. Um, but yeah, so he he also slaps Modok around like a bitch. Oh yeah, he tells Modok, "You don't talk while I'm in the room." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, Monarch tries floating in, you know, calling Scott a thief in front of him. Uh, that didn't work out too well for him. So he sends Modoc and Scott to the blown up uh, engine for his ship, so he so Scott can go into it and shrink it down. Um. Uh, which uh, one other thing? Um, you mentioned that we never really see Kang use that power. Technically, Kang don't really have powers. All of his shit is technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he is he is, he is Iron Man taken to his logical fucking extreme. Yeah, the Iron Lad. Yeah, that's who he is. That's who he is in the comics. <laughs> um, so mo- moving so moving on to that the heist part of the movie. Uh, Scott jumps into it, and when he's fallen in as far as he can go, um. We learn that uh, that when he's in there, all of all of his thoughts and choices split off into different Scots. Yes, like he's in a probability uh, engine. Yes, this this once again was like a very Rick and Morty thing. This is also a scene in the trailer. Yeah, um, like that literal thing happens in Rick and Morty. Okay, um, Which, and and it's solved by like all the Ricks, Mortys, and Summers. Like deciding on like uh, like becoming crystal clear in their motivations and their decisions, which is kind of what happens with Scott. Yeah, they all they they all, they remember that they're doing this for Cassie, and that gets them all work together. Yes, until eventually, like there is no even breaking of like why do this for Cassie or anything else, and Scott just becomes one again. There's there's no breaking point at all. Yeah, and. Um, uh, which was like I said, it was like for me, it was a great moment. Um, hope coming in and also having this moment without any of the other motivations and anything like that um, is what kind of lessens the moment a little bit. It just kind of it, it's a great moment of them working together. It's unearned. Well, for hope, 
she gets warned about it, which Scott doesn't. Like, Janet tells her, those are just alternate probabilities if you ignore them. Yeah. So, she doesn't have to go through, she doesn't have to get unified in her purpose. Also, she can fly. Yes, but uh, she does have the uh, alternate versions of her, and they come together at the same moment that Scott does to become unified in purpose. See, I, didn't she, re- I didn't even remember them all coming together unified on, on Hope. I remember them doing that for Scott. They do it kind of like, because Scott, Scott climbs the mountain of himself that builds up, like ants. Yeah. Um, Hope has kind of like a string of herself flying behind her, and then like uh, Scott takes a shot uh, at the thing, and it burns away his little uh, his little grow boy, and shrink so boy. yeah, shrink boy, mm-hmm. and uh, and then before he can hit the ground, he like comes to full purpose as uh, as hope also like grabs him, and then all and then all of their alters disappear at that moment, and they work together in tandem to like destroy the thing. Yeah. So, like I said, I thought it was a really good moment for Scott. I think it's like a little bit. And it's not like I, it's not like I just like hope. It's this that hope didn't have that issue in this movie. Like Scott, Scott was very much on the fence of like, do we help? Like, do we help these people out and stuff like that? Like because Scott was like, this isn't our fight, and also we don't know if we're losing everything by being here. Yeah. Like, um, which is a thing that like it's a thing that the movie didn't touch on that I actually kind of like was a little bit annoyed by, which is um, choosing your battles. Um, because Cassie's young enough that she every chooses every battle that every battle is her chosen battle. Um, whereas, like when you're older, you have to understand that, like um, if you're uh, if you're uh, marching for BLM, you also can't at the same time be doing like protests for cancer while you're also doing this while doing that. like you literally just you don't have the time or ability. To do that, you don't have the money that you could donate to all of those things yeah. to keep those organizations. Like, there's so much that goes on. You have to choose like what's ultimately the most important thing for you, and helping see that thing through as far as possible. And there can be multiple things that you're doing, but it can't literally be everything. For Cassie, it was literally everything. And Scott, and Scott, so Scott being like, we don't know these people. We don't owe them anything. Like this and is we, beyond and we, their and scope. We, and we don't know the truth of their conflict. Yeah. And we don't know that by being here, 10,000 years haven't occurred outside. Because I was here for five hours one time and five, five years, years passed. Yeah. So, like, we don't know just how much we're losing by joining this battle that we don't have a stake in. Yeah. So, like, they don't really come across that. It was a thing that kind of annoyed me about the movie. Um, but so, But the idea of Scott coming to be like, you know, the battles don't matter. What matters is, like, Cassie, and I'm going to support her, and I'm doing this for her and to see her again. That made a lot of sense to me, uh, to get Scott where he needed to be. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I like that. Okay. Um, so, moving on from... So they, they shrink the, the they thing shrink, down. They shrink the thing down. Uh, and then Modoc just comes in and bitch slaps Scott and Hope with, the, with one hand takes both of them out. Kang did that. Yes, Kang did that. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I don't even know if Modoc was there. He was. Yeah, he, he didn't do much. He was, con- he was talking to Scott the entire time. Oh, no, he attacked uh, Hank's ship. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He he was attacking Hank's ship. Uh, 
they uh they Kang comes to take the engine from them. Um Scott's like, "All right, I I brought you the thing. Uh give me Cassie." It's like, "Oh, she'll 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 be fine without you." And with one hand casually uh smacks both Scott and uh J- and Hope unconscious. Yep. Um which I did appreciate uh us you know getting a villain with no fucking honor at all. Yeah. Uh cuz now we now we know going forward can't trust shit Kang says to you. Nope. Um or at least this Kang anyway. I'm just going to say all Kangs. I'm going to say honorable Kangs don't live that long. <laughs> um so moving on from there, Kang has his this thingamajig. And Hank comes out uh, and tells everybody about uh, his his friends. Well, Kang fucks off back. Kang and Modok fuck off back to um, to their uh, you know to Kang's castle. Um, and Scott slowly wakes up to the face of a giant ant. Um, Something you think he'd be more used to. Yeah. Uh, me personally, I would have been screaming a lot more. Um, and, uh, and normal sized Hank, <laughs> uh, and Hank informs them that, uh, yeah, he's been getting weird signals on his, on his ant, uh, earpiece since they've got, since they've gone in here. And apparently for, it's been long enough for the ants within the quantum realm that they have made a, uh, functioning type two civilization. Um, they Socialism have, is a dirty word, but really, there's a lot we could learn about ants. Yeah, Hank really likes ants. Yeah, uh, actually, literally every character like that Janet had known in the quantum realm mentions Hank's ants. Yeah, because apparently you just eat just they they sh- apparently he didn't shut up about it even before uh, they they went into the in, before Janet went to the quantum realm. Uh. So they, so they, they now they have an ant army, because apparently the ants do just like Hank. Yeah. Um, and uh, while that while this is going on, Cassie oh, break uh, Cassie before she gets put in jail again, uh, manages to just grab a gun and break out. Yeah. Uh, and breaks out the rebel leader lady. And they come up with a plan to like uh, bring all the armies that oppose Kang uh, and his conquering uh, to the capital to like do one big final push. Yeah. Because uh, you know something's something's empirically changed. Where now, if now that we've decided to fight back, we can fight back better as opposed to all the fighting back that we've done before. It would have made a little bit more sense if Cassie had known about the spot, uh, the ants. Yeah, the ants were the X factor. The ants were the the ants were the Ewoks of this movie. They were the one thing that Kang couldn't account for. Yeah. Um. So uh, they also seem to have better technology than Kang. Uh, well, they advanced like a thousand years in like uh, a day. Yeah. Um. So um. So yeah, like they they decide to to work together. Um. And Kang is giving his final speech about how he's about to leave, and and uh, honestly, I don't even know who he's really giving the speech to. Yeah, I I assumed all of his ar- all of his army was drones. Yeah, they don't look like they're thinking people. Yeah, 
I think they are. I think some of them are because they do interrogate one at one point. Yeah. And he does have a mind because it's able to be like his yeah. mind's able to be red. Well, you never see their faces. Um, so I guess that's why he's giving the speech to motivate the troops. Um, but anyway, so uh, Cassie uh, pirate radios his signal and says, "Hey, everybody, let's kick Kang's ass." Yep. Everybody's down for that. They fly super down. They fly in on their you know dick ships. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, that's not a joke. They live in buildings that look like dicks with arms. Yeah. Um, your buildings are alive? Your buildings are dead? Yeah. <laughs> I, I did laugh at that. <laughs> um, and, uh, and Fleb, uh, the guy who had the red goo, uh, he gets shot up and, full, and made full of holes. Uh, something he'd been obsessed with the entire movie. Then he turns those holes into, like, you know, suck holes and eats people. Yes. Very disconcerting. Um, and then Scott grows big. Yeah. Scott grows big and calls Kang out. In, probably, in, what, in what was probably my favorite sequence in the movie. Yeah. Um, Giant Man versus uh, Kang's Dynasty um, is extremely satisfying. Uh, we also get another very Star Warsy moment where, like, uh, uh, the enemy ships are all shooting on Scott, and then, like, all the rebel ships fly in at the exact same moment and start shooting off the uh, the Empire ships. Yeah. Which also, you know, uh, uh, Wasp uh, Stingers, Jesus Christ, are they powerful. She was shooting spaceships out of the sky with them. Yeah. Like, uh, just, you know... She also shoots people with those, and I I am very worried. I think she, like, tones down, like, how much energy she puts into them. I hope. I hope. <laughs> Otherwise, she has killed so many people. I mean, like, you, you have to kind of assume, because, like, it's technically the same thing as, like, the Widow Sting for Black Widow. Yeah, but I've never seen Widow shoot those, shoot, shoot them at, you know, planes. True, but she was able to stop T'Challa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which if she's shooting people with it, she's killing them. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking like 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 that had to be a high dose she was giving T'Challa to slow his ass down. So uh Alright, so uh so th- with that being said, uh you know, they're Scott uh, Scott gets in there and starts trying to beat the fucking doors down. Uh, yeah. but Kang uh, throws up a big shield. Yeah, while this is happening, uh Kang gave Modoc the orders to go kill Cassie. Uh Cassie's running from from Modoc until she uh, knocks it, gets him knocked down and just asks him to stop being a dick. Yes, he's like, I which never thought Guardian, of it that way. Which is a very Guardians of the Galaxy moment, yeah. honestly. Um, which I don't hate by any means. Like, um, I mean, it's an Earth epithet, so yeah. Um, but like, yeah, it just it, it it did feel like you know I don't think I don't think anybody's one hundred percent an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, just stop being a dick. And uh, luckily, that's enough to get Darren to rethought, rethink his life choices. Um, and uh, eventually, uh, Scott manages to uh, reunite with Cassie. Yes. 
They meet uh, up when she, the, they meet she up when also, they're both big. She also grows big. Yeah. Uh, that's like one of the few times you actually see that she has a bunch of those like little uh, um, tiny biggins. Yeah. The, the, the grow and shrink discs. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but she's not used to it like Scott is and like doesn't, isn't, isn't able to maintain it for nearly as long. Oh, even, even Scott is, is, has rough times with it. Yeah. Um, like, like he's really getting exhausted by the end of it. Yeah. Well, even when they first come in and he like catches her as they're falling, uh, Cassie is the one who has to hit the control to shrink him back down to normal size. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so then, um, uh, wasp fastball special Scott into the uh, the blue shield. Yeah, which is enough to break through the shield and break into Kang's throne room and break into Kang's uh, and break Kang's uh, composure. Yeah, because uh, as I said before, um, when this happens, Kang gives an oh shit. Yeah, um, he doesn't they, say it, but he, oh you no, know, he says oh shit. He does. He's out loud says oh shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's what made me laugh. It wasn't just an, it was a full oh shit moment. They cut from Scott like flying in and like stopping the like, the rotating like uh, Saturn like rings mm-hmm. and uh, and Kang just goes oh shit and then it cuts back to Scott like they fully edited that in there for me I think. Yeah, I remember I remember the moment of where he goes from like standing there looking powerful and posing and going oh crap and then having to dive out of the way. Yeah, no, he says, "Oh shit!" when he do- when he dives. I loved it. I loved it so goddamn much. Yeah. Um. So now that it, now that the shield is broken, and uh, you know, uh, Kang uh, Kang decides uh, to show you why he's the conqueror. Yeah, he adopts his headpiece. He fully looks like Blueface Kang the Conqueror from the comics, and descends onto the battlefield, and just people start to vanish. Yeah. Um, I don't know what his lasers do. It, people make pop sounds and they're not there anymore. It actually, what it reminded me of uh, is from Loki, the uh, time variant stuff. Like, the, the stuff that would just make you not exist. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. That might be what the fuck it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, you're talking about the, the, the pruning rods? Yes. Yeah. That that's, might be what it is. That's what I thought, I thought it was. Because I thought the noise was similar and stuff like that. I thought it was the pruning rods, but like made into beams that he could just fire off and take out a whole bunch of people with them at once. Yeah, which is um, terrifying. And yeah, he's he's he can pop them off one by one like Iron Man, or he can just explode out from out from him in a big old rage bubble. Um, you know, people people try to you know oppose him, doesn't really work. Um, the rebels are being slaughtered until. Uh, the riders from Rohan. <laughs> yeah, until uh, well, he also uh, Modok turns on him at this moment. Uh, Modok turns on him when the ants are all upon him. Yeah, like uh, the the ants come in. They're the second riders of Rohan. They destroy Kang City, completely overwhelming all of his forces. Uh, they have ants. and they swarm over him. Yeah, they swarm over Kang, but they can't get through his shield. Modok's the one who manages to break his shield. Um. And then the ants. I t- thought those ants were going to eat his ass. They tried. They were. They couldn't get to. They couldn't get to the Kang's. The Kang gooey center. But they were able to wreck his armor. Yes. Um. And by wreck his armor, I mean they managed to tear one sleeve. I mean he's pretty fucked up. Yeah. And it was the sleeve that had all of his controls on it. Yeah. Um. 
So, uh, they, you know, they have won, and Cassie manages to hack some stuff in Kang's throne room to make a quantum portal to send them back home. Um, the, 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 the Pims managed to get through. Cassie managed to get through. Everybody but Scott. Everybody but Scott, uh, you know, Kang, Kang, you know, is about to shoot Cassie, but Scott pushes her through the portal, and that's basically the last gasp of Kang's gauntlet, so he has to, like, basically rip it off. So now it is suitless Kang, so just Jonathan Majors versus Ant-Man, and it is a mauling. <laughs> yeah. Um, in interviews, I have, I have heard, um, you know, pe- people... Talk about like I've I've heard uh you know wrestlers like uh, Mark Henry talks about Ahmed Johnson's last match in WWF against Farouk, and he, he describes it as a lion or a tiger going against some form of helpless animal in in a, in a zoo. <laughs> this is what that was. Scott's uh, not a fighter. Like Scott has been trained by Hope to to fight guards that aren't ready for him. Yes. Um, which is actually why I really like this fight because like Kang has thousands of years of training. He literally just kind of analyzes Scott. Yeah. Like they, when they get close and Scott is just trying to throw haymakers, like Kang's just dodging around them and countering him. Now that being said, Scott does get a few hits, but they're not, they're not substantial. No. Um, like Kang very much knows what he can eat from Scott and what he can't. Which is why I was I was barely even counting Scott's hits in because Kang was clearly like, oh, I'll take that hit to take this other advantage. Yeah. Like, to me, that was the story playing out in the fight is that Scott was completely overwhelmed. Yeah. He, Kang throws him down and, you know, gives him about... His, his, his opening move is to put him on the ground and get about three A-Town stomps into his head to crack his helmet so he can't shrink anymore. Yep. Oh. Which was uh, which was a cool thing as well because like if you remember Scott can't shrink without the helmet the helmet is there to protect your brain yeah um, that was always a thing about like uh, uh, the Ant Man suit and the shrinking stuff is that it's supposed to affect your mind um, if you use it too much um, and while probably Hank has worked out all the bugs so that like um, like Hope and Cassie are probably fine he's never upgraded uh, Hank, uh, he's never upgraded Scott's suit. Well, he has. We, we talked about it in the beginning that like he clearly has like padding and stuff like that. I would assume that it's been upgraded enough that Scott's well, like, brain I, he is definitely plugged. didn't upgrade it between Ant Man and Ant Man and the Wasp. No, 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 that one he didn't. That yeah. He didn't do. But um, but for this movie, he, he he definitely like he had some upgrades, um, at least for like protection. Yeah, which is probably what kept his ass from being Alive. completely uh, <laughs> destroyed. Yeah, um, and yeah, this is this is uh, I talk well, I I talked a little bit about this fight at the. At the end of our spoiler-free review, um, yeah, this is a, this is an ass whooping. Um, Scott is like his his face is covered in his own blood at the end of this fight. Yeah, um, I was Kang I, was still just warming up. Yeah, I was expecting uh, you know Kang to like Kang was like holding uh, Scott's head up to the uh, engine of his ship. I thought he was gonna burn off half of Scott's face. I did too. Well, to be fair, there was a lot of speculation going in this movie that Scott was going to die. Yeah, I, movie... I didn't think he was going to die, but I knew he was going to take a good ass whooping. Um, and uh, so 
you know, Scott, not, so Kang seeing that, you know, the clock is ticking, he's, he just says, screw it, I'm going to go to the, uh, through the portal. Um, and just as he's about to jump through, Hope fires uh, a couple of her stingers back at him. Um, and Scott manages to sucker punch him where he falls backwards into his ship's engine, uh, makes contact with it, and it sucks him into the... Well, Scott had also, like, done the same thing Janet had done. Yeah. Uh, sucked him into, like, the little probability thingamajig, uh, presumably killing him. Well, we know he dies. Uh, we're actually confirmed in the in the first stinger that he he died. Yeah, they they specifically well we said, know that we know that the people in the stinger think he died. Fair enough, I guess, but like I, I th- seems like they would know, like yeah. they would have they would have a way to know to acknowledge to acknowledge it. Like, uh, well, I'll, I'll get to it to it in a second. Yeah, but uh, so they they have their you know t- together moment um, at the end of it in time for Cassie to. Open up another another portal to allow them to get out. Um, and they seem to have left around. They seem to have gotten back around the same time they left. Yeah. Um. And uh, we end the, the we, we, we end, end the, the movie, movie book ended. Yeah, we end the movie with Scott narrating again. Um, what this time actually in his head, um, as he comes to realization that um, Kang said worse than him was coming. <laughs> Have I doomed the world? Uh, get over it. That's <laughs> no, fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's just everyone might die, and I might have, I might have doomed the world, but that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like that. That's a pretty funny bit. Um, uh, that Scott <laughs> at, at no point ever comes to any type of realization for. I hope. I was actually kind of hoping that like one of the uh, two stingers was going to be Scott going to talk to somebody about this because this seems like something maybe Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange or can't really call anybody in Wakanda. Strange. Yeah. Like he could have gone and talked to them. Um, or Wong. Yeah, Wong. Um, but uh, he hadn't had a chance to do that. So, uh, And also, like, he does live in San Francisco versus, like, New York. Yeah. I don't know I don't know if he exchanged numbers at, you know, Tony's funeral like everyone else did. I assume he did. I would hope. Um, I mean, Hank probably would have, if, not, if nothing else. Um, but, uh, so here's where I want to jump in with a thing real quick. Um, so, you know that, that annoying reality of when you know a lot, like a, a, a hyper-specific a lot, about, like, some stupid thing, and then when a movie gets it wrong, it's like, this doesn't matter to anybody in the world. Like, for 99% of the population, no one's going to uh, acknowledge this as being... A thing or anything like that, um, but for you because you know specifically how that thing works, it bugs you. Yeah. Like- My wife is a bakery manager, <laughs> and so when uh, when they do this last like kind of gag for like Baskin Robbins, mm-hmm. um, Baskin Robbins doesn't make you uh, cakes like that, um, and they do this whole gag where like the guy who had like originally fired him back in Ant Man one. Uh, yeah, made made him a cake for for made him a cake Cassie's birthday. For Cassie's birthday, and it was a big fondant heavy cake. And they make this kind of joke about like how terrible it looks, but it's like, a that wasn't his job. Like Baskin Robbins, he, 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 he mentioned that he hasn't made a cake since ninety seven. 
But Baskin Robbins doesn't do that. They don't make like big font. They'll write your name and stuff on them, but they actually don't make big fondant pieces for your cakes. Mm. That's not what Baskin Robbins does corporately. It's, this guy probably, unless he worked for an actual bakery, was never trained to do that. And that ant, compared considering like the size, like the, the amount of time they probably would have had to do it, looks genuinely really good. Like, for what he had to get accomplished in that amount of time. I never thought the ant looked bad. But they make it... They, they kind I of thought it this, was. I thought it was bad that it, he misspelled birthday. But they make it... <laughs> yeah. But they make this kind of, like, point where, like, Scott looks at it and he's, like, clearly being polite to the guy. Where it was, like... Because, like, the whole thing is just supposed to be bad. Um, but Baskin Robbins doesn't do that. Like, my wife does uh, does decorative cakes. Yeah. She can do them. Um, but like when you want the stuff that you see on like, uh, like nailed it or is it, those require hundreds of hours to do like even stuff like nailed it. Like they give those people like a lot of time to do them and they still look that bad because that's how much time it takes to do. Like they are extremely intricate professional jobs that will take you days to accomplish. And so the last gag of the movie proper before we get anything is Scott taking a bite out of the cake and being like, ugh. Baskin Ramas doesn't make their cakes. Most places don't make their cakes. Baskin Robbins gets their things like delivered in frozen. That guy did not make that cake for Scott. It's just it's just a Baskin Robbins cake. Yeah. So like for me and my wife were like uh watching that. Like, we both had a moment of, she was just like, that's not, that's not how it works. Well, he, he didn't make that cake for Scott. <laughs> so one of the things, most people, if you don't know how, like, the cake industry or, like, the stuff like that works, you'd be like, oh, it's like, that's a franchise. They just get their cakes in from somewhere else frozen. Yeah. And that's how it works. <laughs> this guy couldn't have made the cake bad or something like that. Like, that's... That's nonsense. I think the cake probably tasted fine. No, Scott bite like the last gag is he, Scott literally takes a bite and goes, Oh. Oh. That is literally the last moment of the movie. I forgot about that. Yeah. But like I said, for most people they probably won't think of something like that. But um it's kinda like when people like uh, who are in the army like watch like like army stuff like that and they're like, These guys should take their helmets off all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's, like, things like that where it's, like, uh, oh, you, you know we're, like, oh, that, that, that's not how the thing works, but they're having to Hollywoodize it. Yeah. But for us, it was just, like, that, that's not how the cake business works. Uh, yeah, but so, credits. Yeah, so leading us into uh, the, the credits. First credit uh, is uh, somewhere. Um, the Council of Kings. Council of Kings, which is the first of, like, you know, people, a lot of people probably know about the Council of Ricks from Rick and Morty. Then which they, is based off the Council of Reeds. Which itself is based off the Council, Council of Kings. Yes. Um, Council of Kings was first in, in, in history. Um, which is... <laughs> Reed stole the idea. <laughs> because Reed is also a supervillain. Yeah. Um, but the Council, the Council of Kings meets up. Three notable ones. Um, they mentioned that these... Uh, Mortals have uh, killed the exile, um, and you know that we don't we don't want them getting ideas. Yeah, that was very much like the tone of it. Like they get a little uppity over there. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, we all wanted to kill the exile, but it's one thing for a Kang to kill a Kang. We can't just have anybody doing that. Makes us look bad. Ant Man, Ant Man did it. 
Yeah. It wasn't even Spider-Man. It wasn't even uh, The Spot. I <laughs> got... <laughs> It was like <laughs> Condiment King couldn't have come out of retirement and from a different universe. Was like, that's DC. <laughs> <laughs> come out and kill King. It had to be Ant Man. That's that's their general reaction to it. Oh Lord! But uh, they 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 agree to go and uh, attack our universe to punish us for killing King. Yeah. Um, then, which I don't blame them. Which, yeah, again, I don't believe the, the I don't believe the exile is dead. They say he is. They, but uh, you know, I also think that he fell. He probably fell into the same place that Scott was. And now there's like you know just he's got infinite variations of himself. So when he pops out, it will be the kangiest Kang that ever kanged a Kang. Do you think it will be the biggest villain Kang, or do you think this will be like more like the Iron Lad, the Kang that like, or like He Who Remains, like the one of the ones that are like uh, more on the side of like balance uh, or good or something like that? Because because technically, like to escape the place, he'll have to do what Scott did, which yeah. is come to a full conclusion. Yeah, where there can be no doubt about his purpose. And I don't know what that could be. Yes. I don't think it's going to be anything altruistic because Kang's a bastard. Um, Iron Lad can be a good guy because he hasn't become Kang yet. He hasn't gone through the ki- things that he needs to go through to become Kang. Yes. Um, so I think it's going to be, you know, bad attacking us and then worse coming out at the last minute. <laughs> um, well, this is what happens when bad meets evil. Yeah. Uh, then we see a bunch of other, you know, Kangs in the crowd who seem to be feral. Oh, it's actually a direct shot taken from the comic that uh, uh, that had the first Council of Kings. I've seen like the side by sides. It is a direct pull from the comic. Yeah, but are they just barking in the scene? Kind of. I think it's like they're cheering in the scene, but like oh. to kind of get that same effect, like they have them just kind of like going crazy. But, okay. But th- th- that's how they look in the in on the comic page too. Okay, fair enough. It's like they're just fucking going wild. Um. After that, there's a second stinger at the very end of the credits um, where uh, we see uh, this, you know, in the old timeies, uh, you know, in the, in the 20s, we see Victor Timely, another Kang variant, about to debut some piece of technology, and Loki and Agent Mobius are in the crowd. Yep. And Mobius is like, I thought you said this guy was dangerous. And Loki's going, He is. He is. <laughs> Looking scared shitless. Um, so yeah, that was uh that was the that was the full movie. Um, yeah. I didn't we didn't I didn't bring it up in the in the review one. There is a cu- a, a couple of scenes in the movie, especially where Scott is uh, going uh, up and down the street narrating, where he goes to a coffee shop, um, and at first the guy doesn't doesn't want him to pay. Uh, he, 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 does, thinks he, does, he thinks he's Spider Man. He does pay it. He does pay at the end, um, but just felt like it. That was probably meant to be a Stanley cameo. The guy even has Stanley had like the Stanley hairstyle. I mean, they're out. They're out so far now that they, that couldn't have been a planned thing. But it might have been what they were going. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah. I, I won't say that it doesn't. Um, uh, I will say that one of the things I liked about that though 
is that we um, this almost certainly takes place after No Way Home. Um, so the idea th- uh, that Spider-Man is swinging around and is pretty well liked right now um, sits well with me. I don't think he would be well liked at this point. That guy was willing to give... Uh, Scott has definitively saved the world. Well, this as a... People on people, man on the street might has always like you know there's there's as much a chance of them liking Spider Man as not yeah I do think he is still being bad mouthed in the press uh, probably yeah yeah but like the fact that like, guy like, was no, like like nothing happened to Jonah in No Way Home nothing significant happened to him that he probably remembers yeah I mean we see him like at the end of No Way Home like like only thing that changes he doesn't remember that Spider Man is Peter Parker he he still knows that he hates Spider Man yeah. Um, like, uh, but I don't know. I, I like the idea that, like, uh, that there is some peace for Peter, at least for right now. Um. Yeah, peace and loneliness. We don't, we don't know how lonely he is. Shut up. He has no one. Shut up. (laughs) Maybe he has the daughter of the guy who he's renting that apartment from. And she made him a cake. You you mean, you mean, you mean that, you mean that very niche joke from a movie that, Came out before Tom Holland was born? Don't you fucking dare. (laughs) (laughs) Tom Holland would have been born by the time that Spider-Man 2 came out. He'd have been baby. Yeah. He'd have been a baby. (laughs) But he would have been born. (laughs) You son of a bitch. (laughs) Like he wouldn't have been old. They were still cleaning the goo off of him when that movie came out. But yeah, so that was a uh, that was a uh, after uh, after two reviews for it. Uh, how do you feel about the movie right now? I still I still really enjoyed Quantum Mania. Yeah. Um. I I'm for once once again I'm looking forward to more stuff in the MCU. Um. Like I mentioned that as a, as one of my big critiques of this phase, that it just kind of feels like we're spinning our wheels. Um, now there, that now there does feel like a looming threat that we need to build and develop heroes for. Yeah. Um, uh, next movie is going to be uh, Guardians. I think Guardians Three yeah, Guardians sets 3. up. I think that starts off. Which uh, I'm concerned about one. because Guardians Three is going to be the end of. The Guardians franchise as we know it. This is the last one that James Gunn is attached to. Yeah. Um, well, he's very busy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he's very busy, and also like several of those actors are talking like they're they're not going to keep playing those characters if James Gunn's not directing it. Yeah. Um, so like this is probably gonna be the last time we're gonna see Drax. Probably gonna be the last time we're gonna uh, you know see uh, uh, Star Lord. Um. I imagine Vin Diesel will just cash a check to play Groot. <laughs> You know what? Maybe. Yeah. Or they'll recast him, and Groot will just sound weird for a little while. Like the cat, they they, they let like D. Brad, D. Bradley Baker play Groot, so he sounds like he does in the cartoons. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that so that was uh that was our spoiler review of Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Um, definitely was worth a, was worth a watch. Um. Yeah, like, like for me, um, like I said, I, I think the character stuff is lacking a lot, but um, but a movie that is imaginative and fun can make up for a lot in just like a little bit of lackluster characters. 
And I like it when the MCU... Like, for me, that can save what most people call a bad movie. Like I said, I, I like Thor Love and Thunder because it looks so bright and cartoony and, like, something that you could see from a comic, even if, like, there's a lot of other issues with it. Um, and Quantumania kind of gets that same love from me. Is like, uh, I, I'll, I'll always dig it when they go over like, these, like, kind of high-concept, like, sci-fi stuff. Yeah. Um, now, one one thing... The only thing I will say about the my recommendation, I, I don't know if it's something that you need to rush out to the theater to see. Like... I you could probably if you if you wanted to just wait for this to come to Disney Plus. Yeah, but you know what? Like, there's also nothing really in theaters right now anyway. Yeah. Like, we're about to start getting some shit. Like, next um, month has Guardians and the D and D movie. Yeah, I think something else too. But like, if you're someone that's held up by you know, if you're st- if you're still uh, you know COVID wary, I wouldn't say fight your fear to go see Quantumania. No, no, just. Watch it. Watch it as you will. You know something like in something like Endgame. I was like, oh fuck, COVID. I'm going to see Endgame. Endgame came out in 2019. I, but I would have said fuck COVID yeah. goes the Endgame. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. So that being said, uh, I was your host Patrick. Co-host Jared. Say bye, Jared. Uh, goodbye, everybody from the quantum realm. Um. Yeah. You. Found us uh, pretty much anywhere that podcast found. Just type in Capricorn Podcast. We're the only thing that comes up. Uh, I've guaranteed it. Give us a like, give us a comment, give us a follow. Let us know what your review was of Quantumania. Um, and uh, we will catch you next time. Peace.